a lot of times, you know, God does his best to comfort us, but we don't always see it. We don't always recognize it. And, you know, and, and certainly he has used, and I'm going to get, just illustrate some things uh, tonight. You know, he's used some saints. He's used other people to be a blessing in my life. I think, I think about some things. I remember when I was on deputation and, and, uh, I, I had a car problem, brother, on the side of Interstate 55. And uh, the, the first person that came to my mind was a man called Brother Dick Walker. I wasn't a member of the church. And so I called Brother Dick, and he remembered me from passing through here. And he said, yeah, brother, if you'll do this and you'll do this. And sure enough, I did those things, and I got all, well, here I am, all right. And uh, I'm not stuck in Mississippi. And so, uh, I mean, God has used people to be a blessing. Can you, can you think of some folks, as you go back, some different individuals that have had a word of encouragement or, or maybe even a word of correction that has come along that God has used individuals in your life to be a blessing? And, uh, and you know, like Paul, like Paul wrote uh, of these and said, you know, in the book of in 2 Corinthians, he said, Nevertheless... God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. You know what a blessing that was. You heard brother, you know what when Titus showed up, that was an encouragement to Paul because sometimes you know you get in some places where you're a stranger to those people and it's nice to see a friendly face out there. All right? And some a familiar face, someone that you know. Uh I don't know if you well I don't want to take it away but but uh but there was a time when I I uh I think it was last year, Brother Roger talked about going up to Luke Fada and so forth, and that some of you have come up there, attended those services during the mission conference. Man, I know that that was like saying, sick him to a hound dog. I know that that was an encouragement to Brother Roger. Well, And I'll just tell you this, the, the Oakleys surprised him this time. They, they asked me last Sunday and said, uh, do you think Brother Roger would be okay? If we, I said, man, it'd be great. Well, we got some places up there. We were going to go through. We're going to pop in on him. Well, I got a text, man, the Oakleys were here tonight, and man, he was excited about it. Why? That's a blessing. It was an encouragement to him. And you think about that, the people that God has brought across your path at different times, maybe when you were down and out, or you just needed a word, just a handshake, a hug, or something, and God used the saints to help you. I think about when Paul wrote this, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me. Man, you know, that's a great ministry to help someone make another mile, to get another mile down the road and to make a difference in their life, to encourage them. You know, when Paul was being let down over that wall in a basket, I know those men didn't realize who they had in the basket. They didn't know that he would go on to write some 13 books of the New Testament and plant churches all over Asia Minor and and in Europe and so forth. And And probably Paul was probably, I know he was probably praying on the way down. I hope these boys remember I'm on their side now and not let the basket go and so forth. But they were a blessing to him. They helped him escape. And uh, God used those men to be a blessing in Paul's life. And so the Lord lets the saints come along to be an encouragement to us. That's why church family is so important. Why when we come here and we get we get greeted or whatever, a, a smile and a handshake and with sincerity, and nobody's out after anything, nobody's trying to pry on me, nobody's trying to manipulate me. You just come in here and it's just fellowship. And I don't say that to minimize that when I say just fellowship. It's something very important to our well-being. And God uses that to comfort 
us. I'll guarantee you, if those folks are huddled up tonight, well, it's in the middle of the night, but if they were huddled up, if they were able to meet there in Ukraine, I'll guarantee you they had church, buddy. I bet you there was some praying and crying and maybe some preaching, a word of encouragement. They had church. They had church. So God does use the saints. And, you know, then, of course, He uses the Scriptures to be able to encourage us in different places, in different ways. And uh, that's why that's why we're to mix faith with what we hear in the preaching. Why? That that word preached would be profitable unto us. And for us to believe it and receive it when we're reading it, when we're meditating upon it. How, how many of you, I mean, have you, ever, have you ever gone to the scriptures when you were in need of a word? Sure you have. Why? The man, that's, this, this is our compass. This is our guide. It's intended to be a blessing and God wrote it with love in mind to help me in my journey. So the Lord uses the scriptures in many ways. And you know, and so that's why it's important when you come to the house of God, you know, we're not, we're not reading from the, uh, you know, from uh, poor Richard's almanac. You know, we're not even in here as much as we might like to, brother. We're not reading from the fishing forecast. That's not going to help me when the chips are down. We're not reading from the encyclopedia. We're not, we don't have the encyclicals of the Pope here tonight. That's not what we're reading from. We're reading from the old black book, amen, from the Word of God. And I'll just let you know, Brother Mark didn't know what I was preaching tonight when he asked me about this, but the Lord knows how to put those things together. And so thank God we have a Bible that we can use tonight. No one's trying to take that away from us. He used the Scriptures. He uses the saints, and of course the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. And He can encourage your heart and, and, and help to increase your faith and remind you of some things through the Word of God that where we are in our relationship with God, that we are loved and, and that we are to be sustained. He can help us through those times and come along and get our attention when maybe when nothing else at that moment can. He knows how to whisper that, peace be still in the times that I need it the most. And the thing that I want to talk about, I've just said that by way of introduction, what I want to talk about tonight is that God will use the servant of God, will use the pastor to be a blessing in your life. Now, you know, go with me to 2 Timothy. Will you do that? Just give me a few minutes tonight, 2 Timothy, and look with me in look with me in, in 2 Timothy, and look with me in chapter 4. <clears throat> and look in verse 1. I want you to know that your pastor, it is his desire to be a help and comfort in your life. I mean that with all sincerity. Now, I'm not speaking for Brother Roger. I know I'm the associate pastor, but I'm telling you, that's what we desire to do. We, When I say, I, I come up here each time when I get to preach and I say, I want to be an encouragement, I want to be a blessing, because that is the rock bottom. I want to please the Lord, number one, and I want to be a blessing to you. And I know that He does. Wants to be used of God. Wants to be a blessing to those folks in Broken Bow. I know the Sunday school teachers, when they stand to open the Word of God, when you're doing Master Club, brother, when you're teaching those principles, when you prepare that lesson, the idea is to help those young people make another step in their relationship with God or to begin a relationship to be saved, to be a help and an encouragement. But look with me in, in 2 Timothy 4, look in verse 1. Thank you for turning. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now, look, now look, what, look what Timothy has been instructed with. Preach the word, 
Be instant in season, out of season. That means be ready when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Someone said, cleverly said, you know, you got to preach out of season till it gets to be in season, you know. And uh, and so it is sometimes like that. And, and you all are easy to preach to, and I appreciate that. But it says, be instant in season, out of season. Now watch, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And then do what? With all long suffering and doctrine. To reprove means to... Uh, to admonish you, to correct you. To rebuke is to stand up in front of you and say, hey, stop. Think about what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. And uh, and exhortation is kind of like the easiest way is when when you need like a jump start on your battery. You know, you've had, you've had that from time to time on a car or a truck or tractor or whatever it might be. It's just got to have a little boost. And that's what exhortation is. So two out of the three basically are kind of negative, even though we get up here and say, boy, we want to be an encouragement to you tonight. We want to be a help. And sometimes it's not always interpreted that way. Gosh, if, if that's encouraging and helpful, man, I don't know. And sometimes it comes out like that. But I want you to know some, I, I, I've got some things here. I, I want you to know that one of the things that, that they want to provide, that your leadership wants to provide, is to help you in your development. To help you in your development as a believer with words of health. With words of health. Listen, when you go to the doctor, you don't want him to lie to you, do you? You don't want him to wait and tell you, you know, and say, well, you know, you know, you found out that you have a problem. It was growing. It was something malignant, not just cancer, but it was something else that was going on. And he said, well, you know, I just didn't want to hurt your feelings. I didn't tell you about it back then, but I've known it for about six months. Gosh, that's not a very good doctor. You need someone to tell you the truth that what? That your, that your physical health might be maintained or improved. And the same thing is true about your spiritual life, about your walk. And so the Word of God, and this is where, you know, where the pastor, what you understand is some of the things that we pray about, we pray about the will of God. What is it that that the assembly needs? Now, these are not always things that, that we may know specifically, but you know what? But He knows and that's where we're working together. When you're praying for the for me or whether it be Brother Roger or whoever's teaching that Sunday school class, young people, if you if, if you have a Sunday school teacher, you ought to be praying for them during the week that God will give them what you need. Sometimes, sometimes we don't even know what we need. But I trust that the Lord knows. And, and so in that reproving and rebuking and so forth, He knows what we need. We just don't want Him to be silent unto us. I need a word from him, don't you? I need a word from him. I need to hear from him. And one of the things, us working together, me praying about what's the will of God, you praying, God, please give Brother Roger, please give Brother Ed what we need, because I don't know, you know, those kind of things, working together. I'm telling you, sincerely, it's it's what we are asking about. And we want that word to come in such a way that we could speak the truth in love that you might be helped, that you might be enriched. It really is our motive in what we're wanting to do. Why? Because we want you to develop as a believer. You know, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
Man, as you have seen your children grow, some of the older heads in here, as you have seen your children grow and approach manhood and womanhood and take on family and responsibility, there's some things that have encouraged your heart over the days. And when you see them make good decisions, wise decisions, and you see the blessings of God on their life, that, that encourages me. And I'm sure it encourages you the same way. But, but in, the, in the sense of in the ministry... Watching you grow in grace, man, that is such a blessing. And when you make improvement and you're striving for those things and moving forward and then you see God use you as you have developed and then use your gift to minister to the body. Man, that's what it's all about. I mean, some of us, we've been here long enough that we've watched some of your children grow from, from young people, 10 and 11 years old, and now they've got families of their own. And they're serving the Lord. I, I, I remember when, when, you know, the, the very first time I met Brother Lauren was at Camp Waterbrook up in Missouri, and he was in a bassinet. Now, you say, Brother Ed, you really are old. I, I am. But that's, but that's where I saw him the first time. He and Dixie and Brother Scott, I, I mean, I saw him there, and I happened to be up there with Brother Danny and so forth. But I, as I looked at that little boy in, in, in that bassinet, I wasn't thinking, well, someday, you know, he's going to be a Sunday school teacher and have his own business and be a friend of mine. I didn't, I didn't know about that, brother. We didn't know that. You, you know, how do we know that? But that's just how God puts things together. And seeing them grow and watching those things happen, there are others that I've seen them grow up, you know, paintball with with uh, brother with Jeff and brother Ronnie and so forth and Daniel and making some of those memories and then watch them grow up into young men makes a difference. It makes a difference and see them make strides and watching youth grow up. Man, it's part of the investment here and God uses the word of God and the servant of the Lord to help develop you in your life. Sometimes like that doctor, he's got to be honest with you and give you those words that you need at that time. And his motive, you have to trust that his motive is one of love and that his desire is, uh, is to have words fitly spoken. Well, that's what we want. Words fitly spoken. Words that hit the mark, right? And that we might say them before and give them to, if you will, uh, you know, the scripture talks about a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. It's, it's the verse right after that about apples of gold and pictures of silver. We want to have words like that for you. When you come to the house of God that you might be fed, that you would grow in grace and knowledge and learning about the ways of God. And Brother Rogers has been teaching a series, preaching a series about your walk with God. Why? What's that all about? That's so you can get along and walk with God and enjoy the blessings of God in your life. Sometimes that means you've got, to get, you've got to get some stumps out or rocks out or whatever that you can walk smoothly and not walk without, without stumbling and falling. But nonetheless, wants to see you make progress. And number two, sometimes, you know, it's not only for development that we pray and we study and so forth, but it's also that we might give words of hope when you're discouraged. And everybody can use a good word. Everybody could use a little encouragement every now and then. But words of hope. Listen, listen, to, listen to what Paul wrote. He said, those things which you have what? Which you have both learned and received. That's Philippians 4.9. Things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. 
and the God of peace shall be with you. Oftentimes, you know, when you're pastoring, I, I've, I've mentioned this just not long ago, you know, when, when uh, in the Gospel of Mark, when, when uh, the Lord was walking along, he runs, across, he runs across Peter, and Peter is casting a net. And when you're casting the net, you're trying to bring up a draft of fish. And, that, and Peter later on becomes an evangelist. And God used him mightily on the day of Pentecost, did he not? And 3,000 people were saved in that one message. Wow. And then 5,000 a few days later in the preaching. And God used Peter in that way. As Jesus walked a little further, he comes across, he comes across James and John. And what were they doing? They were mending their nets. And James and John, if you will, became some of the early pastors of the churches that were established. Mending nets. And that's what pastors oftentimes do, is that they, they help to take things that have been broken and maybe wounded or hurt, and they patch it up and see it make progress. You know, most of the people in this church, we have visitors here tonight, and we're glad to have you, but most of the people that are in this assembly don't live right here, right around the church. They've come from different places, different parts of the county. One of them comes out of Conroe, and, and some come from as far away as like a, almost a Tomball up in that area, come to church here. And sometimes some of the people that have come here, man, they've been wounded or hurt or discouraged, and God brings them along here. And a pastor, part of pastoring, is helping people get through one difficult situation in their life, helping them to prepare for the next difficult situation. A lot of times in what you're doing in counseling and so forth as a pastor, it's problem solving. It's helping them see the problem and then giving them some resources to fix the problem. But the goal is to see them patched up and be well and make progress and go on in their Christian walk, in their experience, to grow in that grace and knowledge. And sometimes, you know, as, as we're helping people through one discouragement after another, you know, it doesn't mean that the pastor is not subject to the very same things. Paul said, you know, basically that my feet are made of clay. In other words, I'm a man of like passions, just like you are. And a lot of times God allows those things, those difficult things to happen to the pastor so that he might experience those things and be well versed in that. That's, that's one of the reasons why the Lord Jesus came and the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that he learned some things through his suffering. To do what? That he might be a good captain, if you will, to be a good high priest in their life. You see, in eternity past, the Lord Jesus didn't know what it was like to be hungry or to be thirsty or to be betrayed or to be weary or to, to if you will, to feel alone. He never had been separated from his father ever before. He didn't know what it was like to be, to be sorrowful. Man, they had nothing but joy and fellowship and glory up there. But he took upon him, not an angel seed, but he took upon him the seed of Abraham. Born of a woman made under the law and endured the things, some of the same things. And the scripture says that he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Why did he do that? Why did he experience that? So that when I go to him with a problem, he knows what that feels like. He remembers what that's like. And He can minister to us. 
and minister to you. And the same thing is true about, if you will, the under-shepherd. A lot of times, the things that happen sometimes, sometimes the problems come so that, so that God, if you will, can be glorified through that person. I mean, you think about it. Was Moses a pretty strong leader? I'd say he was. Forty years was a long time to look after all, all the nation of Israel. Pretty strong leader. And now as they cross the Jordan River, Moses is not going to get to go in. And now there's a young man who's been with him like an associate, been there with him. And so now what's going to happen? Man, as soon as, as, soon as Joshua gets in there to place, man, they got a problem. There's old, there, there is uh, the walls of Jericho. And what are they going to do? And, and the like. And so God brings those things, brings that problem, if you will, before Joshua. And it's an opportunity for Joshua, if you will, to take the leadership. And what, and what happened? God magnified Joshua before those people. Why? That they might follow. And sometimes the things happen... You know, Paul said some things happened to him for the furtherance of the gospel. He said, some people have been made bold because of my, my imprisonment. The Lord allowed that to happen to him, that other people might move forward, be inspired to do some other things, to develop, if you will, even in spite of discouraging times, yet to move forward. So, so, so the servant of the Lord can be used in your life to bring you words of help, sometimes when you need developing. You know, and, and you know, it takes wisdom from God. You know, because you, because you think about it in here, you've got people that are, some of them are newly saved, some of them are young people. You've got to have something for their diet. And then you've got to have something for folks like Brother Kenny, Brother Mark, and others. Brother Kim that have been here, Brother Scott that have been here for a long time. They, they're, they're past the first principles of baptism and so forth. Brother Dwayne, they're past some of these things. They need some meat. And you've got to put that diet together so that the, so that the sheep develop. Equally, and that just—that's not found in a book. That's found in the book, Amen. And uh, and to be able to put that together and provide that for you as believers, that's why it's so important for you to pray, to join and strive together with us in prayer to God for us that we'll know that I'm just gonna, that we'll know what we're supposed to do and what word we're supposed to bring. And so you have a part in this. You have a part in this. And then those words, if you will, that are intended to bring hope. Man, you know what? There's, as long as God's alive, there's hope. Amen. As long as He's alive, and He is alive. And, and going to come back for us one day. And so, so when there's discouragement out there, you've got to be able to come to the house of God and hear the Word of God that you might be strengthened in your faith, that you know that there's hope, that you can hope in the Lord. I didn't offend him. He's on duty. He's the battalion chief, all right? None of y'all are in the fire department, so everybody stay put, all right? <laughs> Amen. So sometimes, man, sometimes the, sometimes the sheep are anxious. You know, so, sometimes, sometimes the sheep get nervous in the service. Amen. Sometimes that happens. And we've got to have a word for them. Like in uncertain times, what are we supposed to do? Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it must have been like 
there, Brother Dwayne, when, remember when Ananias and Sapphira came in? They're having church there, Brother Kib, and, and I, I don't know who's doing the preaching that day, but Peter's doing the talking. And next thing you know, man, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. Boom, he falls over dead, Brother Scott. Them young men come, they're like, all right, what are we going to do? Do we call? There was no 911 back then, of course. What are we going to do? And they just said, well, take him out. And he just kept on preaching. They kept on. Church didn't end. They just kept on going. That, you know, that certainly, I bet you some folks from there were a little nervous. They, you know, it's kind of like one of those vicarious things. You know, when you say to, to Johnny, like, Daniel, you're sitting up so nice, straight and tall. All the other kids sit up straight and tall, you know. That's kind of one of those vicarious things. I imagine that got everybody's attention. It would have gotten mine, amen. Something happened there. God wasn't happy about something, and they just keeled over and died. Then his wife came in, and the same thing happens, and they still went on with church. They weren't very politically correct. Sometimes when there's loss, and our church has suffered loss, and that's especially when you need to pray for one another in those times, that the leadership might have a word for you, a word of comfort. And this is how God uses the servant of the Lord to be a blessing in your life. When sometimes all you think about or hear is the reproving and the rebuking and the exhorting. And really, you know, it's just like, it's like in, in EMS. Some of the things that I did were painful for the patient to have to experience. But they were not harmful. And it actually was the means of making them better. Sometimes when there's a confidence issue, you're just lacking some confidence in some things. And there's a word that can be given to you and help you with that, that your faith would hold fast. Not just tie, you know, not, not a clever saying, you know, tie a knot in the end of the rope and hang on. Uh, no, we need something with more substance than that. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Man, the Lord knows about your situation just like that high priest. He's acquainted with all those things, beloved, so that he can minister to us in the ways that we need it, when we need it the most. And God can use the servant of the Lord to do that. Sometimes it's not even having anything to say. It, it, it might not necessarily be in a church service. It might just be when they visit during that time of loss or whatever. Or maybe you're just going to meet for a cup of coffee and have a word together, whatever. And sometimes it's not saying anything at all, but just being there. That can make such a great difference. And so these are things that, that concern us, that that weigh upon our minds for you, for your benefit. Sometimes it's words of help when you've got to make decisions. It's not just words of hope or words of help, but words of, of help, if you will, when you've got to make decisions in your life to know what to do, to find the will of God and pursue the will of God and give some direction, you know. And, and the Scripture says, Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And why, why is it that way? Why, and God will use the man of God to help you to pursue that because why? He wants the will of God for your life desires that for you 
that you might grow and be in that will. Because in that will, man, there are so many things, another whole message in that. You know, the peace of God and His provision and protection, all those things that are, that are yours to enjoy when you are in the will of God. And what a difference that makes. So resources and blessings are there. And he can help you to find those. And so sometimes, you know, it, it, you know it's, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for some counsel. One of the things, in the, one, of the, one of the purposes of the book of, of uh, Proverbs in the opening verses there is that you might understand those dark sayings and that being a wise man, you'll attain unto wise counsels, that you'll ask for counsel, that you'll learn about doing these things, that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. That requires humility. That requires kind of rolling the window down so that so that God's man can help you in your circumstance and situation. Because sometimes the problems get right up here and you really can't see what's going on. But you can mark it down that your pastor's praying for you. Your pastor wants the will of God for your life, is interested in those things because he loves you. And so, again, I'm not here to promote Brother Roger or myself just to help you understand that ultimately this is the hand of God that is at work in your life to help keep you upright on the straight and narrow, doing the will of God. And then lastly, sometimes it's during not it's not only to make decisions or when when you're discouraged or or direction, but sometimes it's when you're in danger. When you're in danger. Do you remember what David said in that verse 4 in, in Psalm 23? He said, Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Sometimes that rod was used, you know, uh, sheepdogs, you know what they do, right? Sheepdogs, they nip at the heels. They nip at those legs. And that little nip, I'm sure, is not pleasant. That's why the sheep move out of the way. They don't want to get bit. And sometimes when those sheep are in danger, they're just eating and they're not looking around necessarily and they're not always aware of the danger that they may be heading for and so that shepherd is there with that staff to put, that, to put the crook of that staff around them to rescue them out of that place when they've gone too far. Or sometimes it might be the other end and pop one of those hind legs with that. And what do they do? They lift them and they carry them. They put them over the shoulders of the shepherd and make sure it heals. And so, and they do that, beloved, out of, out of love for that sheep because they want to see it grow and mature and develop and be what it was created to be. And, uh, and that's not always easily understood. You know, your, your pastor may be your friend, but he's not necessarily your buddy. Those are two different things. And, and, and bear with me on this now. Stay with me. Y'all still with me? I'm almost done. Here's the thing, you know, fellowshipping, fellowshipping with them a lot of times depends upon your maturity as a believer, your maturity, because not everybody can, can see the line between friendship and leadership. There is a line that's there. That, that person who, who, who wants to be your friend, I mean, we want to be friends, 
But sometimes, you know, if you can't see where that line is, then it limits how close that person can be to you because you'll wind up being hurt. Because then it, then it becomes trouble if they have to correct you or if they disagree with you about something or whatever. And then it becomes a personal issue rather than seeing the, the greater vision of it that, that this is what it takes to move in the right direction, that it becomes a personal issue instead of it just being a pastor and a church member issue. You understand what I'm saying? God, Remember I said this morning, God put some authorities in our life, and one of those are pastors, some authorities in your life, to be a blessing to you, not, not to lord over you, to lord over God's heritage. We don't own you. Make no effort to do that. You're not my servant. We belong to the Lord. And, and, and leadership, there's a limitation on it. And so, but when you can't make a distinction between those two things, then it limits how close that they can get to you and be your friend. You all with me? You understand? Have you ever had somebody, and this is what happens sometimes, and I'm, I'm going to throw this out, this is what happens sometimes in church. When you have a business and you hire somebody else out of the church, they have a hard time making a distinction between, well, 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 brother, we're brothers. Why are you doing me like this? Yeah, but, but he's the brother who's my boss. I don't work for Brother Lauren. I'm just using that as an example. It makes it harder for Brother Lauren to be able to conduct business if you can't, if you can't take instruction from somebody who's your boss. But you think of it, well, he's just my brother. No, he's your boss. Y'all with me? You understand what I'm talking about? That puts you in a tough place. I imagine it's the same way when it's family. You've hired your family. And now your family's working, and man, they can't make a distinction between, well, you're an employee and I own the business. Yeah, but but I'm your I'm your blood brother. I'm your you know, I, you and I have the same mother, brother, you know, that kind of thing. Why are you treating me like this? Why are you talking to me this way? Well, because I own the business. I'm the boss. I imagine it would be even more difficult if it was a younger brother that had the business and he hired an older brother to work for him. Well, I'm older than you. I'm the older brother. I know best. No, but you don't own the business. But if that, if that brother's not mature enough to handle that, you know what he's going to do? He's going to drag up and quit. Most people don't leave a church because of a change in the doctrine of a church. Most people leave over how a situation was handled or mishandled and they couldn't receive it oftentimes. And so they leave. I, I, neither of us believe in backdoor revivals. You know, you know what I mean when I say a backdoor revival? <clears throat> Man, if you just leave, things would pick up. Business would pick up in here. Uh, there are some people that way and I, I'm... I remember, I remember I've told you this a dozen times, and I, I don't mean to use stuff that's old, but I, I just think about what that guy told me. I was in a meeting, and he pastored in Florida, and you know, he got up and preached and told all of us and said, man, you ought to make five people mad every day, or you're not doing your job. And I thought, well, gosh, that, that doesn't sound like anything in the Bible I've ever heard. So at lunch I said, brother, well, how, how many folks have you got there? And I think it was in Opelika, Florida somewhere down there by Lake Okeechobee or whatever, and he said, oh, we got 10. <laughs> okay. 
And I was thinking, well, you made, you made the first half of them mad Sunday morning and the other half you made mad Sunday night. So, yeah, no, that's, that, that's not the goal. A pastor, when, when we read about having to give an account, there's a lot that your pastor has to give an account for. You think about that. Sunday school teacher, helper in a class or whatever, when you have a give, you, there's a lot to give an account for, brother, them youth and Sunday school, there's a lot to give an account for. And uh, why? That we handle, the, the Proverbs says, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And so, you know, we want to handle it well. And sometimes when you're in danger, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard it said, you know, man, I can help you, but I'm going to have to hurt you in order to do it. And sometimes that has to happen. But it's intended that you would heal from that. What? Faithful. What does, Psalm, what does Proverbs 27 say? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. We just don't believe that all the time when we're on the receiving end. But if you really believe that other friend is really interested in your well-being, it does make it easier to receive it if you're convinced about that. Now listen, those offices that there that are in Ephesians 4, the pastor and the teacher, the prophet and so forth, all those offices that came down through time and now pastors and teachers, those were gifts to the church. You have to remember that, that God intended these things because here's what the Lord said in the book of Jeremiah. Don't turn there, but just listen to this. It's in Jeremiah 3, and I think it's in verse 15, that he said, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. I will give you pastors. Because there were some in those days, all they did was fleece the sheep. They didn't feed the sheep. They didn't try to help the sick. They didn't try to help in any of these circumstances, whether it was danger or discouragement or developing. They were just in it for themselves. That's kind of like the hireling. But God uses good men to make a difference in your life that, that you may grow in that grace and knowledge and wind up being the believer that God knows that you can be and wants to be a part of it. And so when you're praying for the pastor of your church, you know, uh, keep those things in mind, the burdens that they bear, the thoughts that they have to deal with sometimes and just like just like you you need a word of encouragement every now and then they need a word of encouragement whether it be a text or just a casual thing hey i'm praying for you or whatever it might be but uh, but understand that that it is their desire to see you move forward in each of these circumstances and situations and come out not bitter on the other other side but come out better on the other side and ultimately, it's God who loves you and has provided this comfort. So he uses saints. He uses your brothers and sisters. Sometimes he'll use a lost man to help you, to give you a word when you need it. 
oftentimes use the Scripture and, of course, the Spirit of God. But don't forget about the servant of God is here also as a source and resource intended to be for a comfort and a help to help cultivate you, to help correct you, to keep you out of danger. And their goal is for you to be better as a result. And so uh, I, I know that you appreciate Brother Roger. I know that you do. And, uh, and I, I, again, I'm not just here trying to promote something. It's the word that the Lord put on my heart for tonight to help you. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know what's on tomorrow. I don't know what we're going to have to face together or individually or whatever it might be. I just know that, that, uh, that God's given us a man of God and uh, to help us and to be a blessing to us. And I thank God for him. Amen. And we thank God for you as well that you're a part of this. Amen. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we do thank you tonight for the man of God that you've placed in our lives. And I don't think anyone here has uh, misunderstood him or anything like that, Lord. Not my intent at all tonight. Father, I'm just saying that, God, we thank you, Lord, for the, for the men, I, for Brother Farley being here and establishing some things, Lord, and putting a foundation down, dear God, that could be added upon and built upon. And thank you for the years that Brother Roger has been here. And, Lord, we appreciate your good hand resting upon East River. and We pray that it might continue in the days and months and years ahead, Father, as we think about the new building and we think about some other things. We don't know what's in the future, but our eyes are fixed upon thee and we're grateful for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.